Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds in markets for the NBA, NHL, college, and so much more. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's super easy to use. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. Gosh, what is this? This is my third full day starting here on the lake. We're taking a, uh, a catamaran up further up the lake to go into Cascades uh, National Park. Um, 
to hit some picnic areas and stuff up there. Looking forward to that. It's been a lot of fun. I tried water, uh, excuse me, wakeboarding for the first time ever yesterday. Did not go well. <laughs> I tried at least a half dozen times to get out of the water, and there's some like fundamental thing that I'm missing. Um, I kept getting the the board sucked under the water, and I, I just couldn't get up. And uh, that was really frustrating for me because typically I've been able to pick up athletic things pretty quickly. Like I picked up skiing quickly, you know, I pick up sports quickly typically. But wakeboarding uh, kicked my ass yesterday. I'm going to try it again, hopefully this afternoon. We'll see how that goes. But uh, vacation's going great, having a good time couple more days on the lake here before we get uh, going on the cruise to Alaska. Quick hitter today. Don't have a ton of time. I want to touch on the latest Russell Westbrook report briefly. I want to touch on uh, this Harden report about him taking a discount because I think it's kind of getting weird a little bit. I was applauding it at first, but now it's starting to get a little weird. And then I'm dying to talk some basketball. This, this whole phase of this summer reminds me of right when I started with the volume where it was like all-star break and the Lakers were tanking and we were doing the Lakers tonight thing. And it was like every night was just like Russell Westbrook drama and Lakers front office drama and all that kind of crap. And don't get me wrong, it's part of the job, but you guys know me, I want to talk the basketball. So I wanted to get into something basketball related today. And so there was a debate going around on Twitter having to do with the the ball don't stop guy uh, and some of his anti-analytics argument, which I think is almost like uh, overreaction to that whole situation. But I wanted to give my two cents on just the way that the role that analytics plays in basketball. Um, so that's what we're going to hit today. Remember, you guys know the drill. Uh, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you guys don't miss any video content that I release, show announcements, things along those lines. And then last but not least, if you guys miss any portion of this video for any reason, it will get re-released as a podcast on our podcast feed, which is under hoops tonight. <clears throat> So let's start with the rush report. Now, there were two rush reports that came out yesterday. My friend Jovan Buha with the with the Athletic released another report. Uh, not, not a ton of new information, just basically stating that the Russell Westbrook situation is about to get a whole lot worse. Then we get this Chris Haynes report about a phone call that took place between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, where they reaffirmed their commitment to one another to try to make this work, which had a couple of massive red flags right at the beginning. First of all, the phone call allegedly took place during the opening weekend of NBA Summer League, which is literally when LeBron and Russell Westbrook were sitting on opposite ends of the arena, not communicating with each other. So that's strange. If you guys had just reaffirmed your commitment to each other, you probably would have some kind of interaction on the court. And then secondly, it's it kind of reminds me of some of the other uh, uh, narrative controlling moves that we saw in the last couple of weeks where it's like, how stupid do you think we are? Like, you guys just played a full NBA season together. How many countless times did you guys have conversations about how you might try to make things work and try to smooth this out and persevere through the trouble? Like, this isn't going to be the time that you guys suddenly come together and figure it out. You guys had plenty of chances and we're not falling for that. Um, so the, to make a long story short, it's pretty clear that it's a leverage play. I've heard from some people who are connected to the situation that it is a leverage play. This report from Chris Haynes is a deliberate attempt from the Lakers to seed back leverage in the situation. Here's where that's a problem. Uh, them fighting for more leverage tells me that they're still withholding that second pick, 
which means they still haven't acknowledged the realities of their specific leverage dynamic. We went into this in detail a couple days ago, so I won't go super deep into it again. But the gist of it is the Lakers, ever, it's the worst kept secret in the league that nobody on the team wants him anymore, that all of these attempts to fluff him up are leverage moves. They don't have any sort of uh, of real ability to convince the league that they want Russ. And then we go to the other side, and with Kyrie Irving and his trade value being as low as it's ever been, and the same going for Ben Simmons, it's actually advantageous for the Nets to bring everybody back because if you can get them to play some basketball, it will probably inv- inflate their trade value. So the 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 trade uh, leverage dynamic is very clearly in Brooklyn's favor. And so for the Lakers to continually be fighting for to, to control the narrative of the leverage tells me that they haven't acknowledged their reality yet, and that's the problem. Acknowledge the reality. You have to pay to get rid of Russ. You were smart, and, and, and you were sound in the sense, in your original approach to try to fight for the one pick. That ship has sailed now. Every passing day is a greater risk that Kevin Durant will change his mind and decide to return. You just got to put the second pick on the table and try to make this thing happen. Now, will they? they might still wait for the KD move to happen before they agree to that deal. But it's just, you to me, it's worth throwing it out there. And it's obvious that they haven't. Otherwise, they wouldn't be fighting for leverage the way that they are. Hopefully, we're getting to the end of this eventually. I have continued to hear from people connected that the Lakers want to get rid of Russ. That that's their number one priority. So, uh, stop trying to lie to all of us. Just bite the bullet and make the thing happen. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to the hard and discount thing for a minute. So, you know, there's the, the report that came out was basically, we originally heard that he was going to take a discount as much as $15 million. I'm not sure if that was $15 million per year or $15 million for the whole contract. Then we get this report that um, uh, that he's working co- closely with Daryl Morey and the rest of the franchise to try to make something happen. Then we hear yesterday that he wants the, the Sixers to sign everybody and I'll have what's left over. It's starting, and you know, Harden having quotes like, like, oh, my number one goal is winning a championship, blah, 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 blah. It's starting to take on a little bit of like a, a narrative controlling vibe uh, in and of itself because the reality is is like the Sixers cap situation is not a situation where they just have a ton of cap space available to go sign an expensive player. That's not the case. If I'm not mistaken, as of right now, even without Harden on the books at all whatsoever, they have little to no cap space available. So they were already operating on the margins. They were already operating with things like veteran minimum exceptions and uh, and taxpayer exceptions and trades and things along those lines. They've already signed pieces. They've signed Daniel House and P.J. Tucker to kind of fill in that Danny Green role. There's not some monumental change that the Sixers can make to the roster based on James Harden taking a discount. That's not... That's not a real outcome in this situation. So it kind of feels preachy at this point. Like he's trying to like rub in our face the fact that he's taking a discount. My thing is like that's that's misdirection. That's all not important. The Sixers don't have a talent problem. This team has tons of talent. I talked about that nonstop during the season last year. They might have had the most talented starting five in all of basketball. With Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, James Harden, and uh, Joel Embiid. Talent's not an issue. Tobias, I, I always talk about when I'm like piecing together a basketball team, you want like a go-to three-level score. You want like a guy who really understands the flow of the game and can be a playmaker. 
You want a guy who can like be a rim pressuring forward that can punish mismatches off the dribble. And then you want to have all of the length and athleticism defensively to do all the things that you need to do. The Sixers have all of that. Joel Embiid is a fantastic three-level scorer. We're going to talk a little bit about him here in a minute. Uh, James Harden is a great playmaker and game manager and a guy who can help generate quality shots over the course of the game to elevate your shot quality. Tobias Harris is a textbook mismatch attack, a mismatch attacking role player forward. Obviously, there are better scoring forwards in the league, but Tobias Harris is as good as you will find in a supporting role at being able to create baskets against mismatches and to do all the things at, uh, that big swing forwards can do. You know, they have a ton of length and athleticism all over the floor. They've got three and D players and guys that can guard multiple positions. I really liked the Daniel House and PJ Tucker signings to improve the toughness of the team, you know, because that's somewhat of a weakness with James Harden and Joel Embiid. You know, PJ Tucker and Daniel House can kind of be that personality for them. This roster has everything that they need. This is not a talent issue. The reality is, is. James Harden needs to get healthy, figure out the hamstring thing, and try to regain as much burst as possible. Why is that? Because the Sixers have such good supporting players. Guys like Tyrese Maxey, guys like Tobias Harris, obviously Joel Embiid, that if, if James Harden can make that initial dribble penetration more consistently to get the defense in rotation... You will be playing against a rotating defense with extreme high-level offensive talent with Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and all these guys. The problem was, last year, James Harden could not consistently generate that uh, rim pressure because he didn't have the foot speed. He's not old enough. I think he's only 32. He's not old enough to be this slow, to be this much on the downslope of his career. His injuries haven't been bad enough to explain that type of drop-off. So as much as I appreciate his willingness to take a discount, and I'm not undercutting that, even though I think he's playing it up for the narrative a little bit, the more important factor here is James Harden really diving into taking care of his body in a way that he didn't earlier in his career. He was younger. He could get away with the lifestyle that he lived. No longer the case. Embrace that, get in shape in a way that you haven't in your career, regain that foot speed and that first step, the ability to, because again, if this, guys like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, if they're attacking a set defense, they're going to have limitations because they aren't superstar level players. But if you get Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey attacking compromise defense, attacking a defense in rotation, attacking with an advantage, those are those guys are going to thrive in that setting. And so you need, since Joel Embiid's not great at accepting double teams and kicking the ball out, you need James Harden to create that initial advantage. Um, so keep an eye on his physical health over the course of this next uh, a couple of seasons. That'll be a much more clear indicator of where James Harden's focus is at. Um, with Joel Embiid, I think it's time for him to start crafting his game around the postseason. We've talked about this a lot. This was an issue James Harden had earlier in his career. We haven't really had a chance to see him kind of uh, um, fulfill that need. But with Joel Embiid, the foul baiting, you know, I, I got in trouble with, with some Embiid fans, but this is the truth. He's not as good at putting the ball in the basket as his peers. Okay, like guys like Nikola Jokic and other 
big rim pressuring guys like Giannis and LeBron, they're shooting 75% in the restricted area. They're shooting in the mid 50% from the field. They are, their effective field goal percentage is between 55 and 60. Their true shooting percentage is over 60. These guys are remarkably efficient at actually putting the basketball in the basket. Okay. Joel Embiid manufactures a lot of points through his ability to put defenders in a tough spot and draw fouls. But as we know, that's not a reliable way to score the basketball in the postseason. He needs to get away from that a little bit and start crafting his game towards actually reliable things in the postseason, which is putting the ball in the basket irrespective of what the ref gives you with the whistle. That is drawing double teams and being able to navigate the double teams so that you can keep the defense in rotation so that Tobias Harris, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey are attacking with an advantage. Those are things that are guaranteed to work in the postseason. These are proven methods Prove it that that will that you can rely on and lean on in hard moments in a playoff series. That, though, make no mistake, the only thing standing between the Sixers and winning a title is the realized version of James Harden and Joel Embiid at the top of their games. It's not James Harden taking a discount so you can get one more role player. It's not going to be how well Daniel House or P.J. Tucker play. It's not going to be what Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey do. If James Harden can recapture what he was athletically in 2018. And if Joel Embiid can manu- can cultivate a, a play style that actually succeeds in the postseason geared around putting the ball in the basket rather than getting to the free throw line, if they do that, the Sixers have more than enough talent to win. Those are the guys to watch. Don't get distracted by all of this, like taking a discount, loading up the roster. It comes down to those two guys and them getting the job done. All right, let's do this analytic stuff and then let's get out of here. So again, uh, what the debate was, I can't remember exactly the grounds for what caused the conversation on Twitter, uh, but I believe the gist of it was was a, a analytics-heavy guy, I believe it was Seth Partnow, uh, said that he would rather have, I want to say uh, it was Herb Jones in a, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a 3 and D guy. Oh uh, No, that's what it was, Dorian Finney-Smith. He said in a supporting role on a team, he'd rather have a Dorian Finney-Smith than a Brandon Ingram. And it was based on uh, like analytics, and then of course comes the 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 ball don't stop guy coming in like just trashing those guys for not watching the games and being stuck in the numbers, and it's kind of a lowbrow conversation, and that's why I never engage in it because uh, no one's getting any smarter. It's just people yelling at each other from two absurd perspectives. But that dynamic is very interesting to me because like I'm not I'm not an old man yelling on his porch. I'm not the guy that's like. Um, you know, like this is the way that we should do things and, and we should never, these young guys and their perspective doesn't matter. That's not what I'm, my perspective here. I'm a big believer in utilizing every resource at your disposal to try to gain an edge. And if that means that you have a team of, of, of people who are great with uh, statistical analysis in your building, then that's great. I, I think that that should be a part of, uh, of any well-meaning and, and, and well-run NBA organization. My issue is the the pursuit of something that I don't think is achievable with analytics. So with baseball, the situation is far more static. It's a pitcher versus a hitter. There are different types of pitchers, right? Lefties, righties, hard throwers, you know, guys who rely on movement pitches, um, guys that are uh, contact pitchers, guys that deliberately throw 
sinker balls and, and uh, 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 two uh, two seam fastballs and things that are designed to get the batter to hit ground balls, right? To to get ground outs to get through the game. Then there are you know strikeout pitchers, guys that are heavier on movement and speed and are primarily trying to get swing and misses, right? There's all these different factors, but it's a lot easier to try to put those factors together into a single number that can quantify the impact that a hitter. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Because of the, 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 the smaller number of factors. Basketball is just too complicated for that. Where, my, my, where I separate from analytics, the analytics movement in the NBA is the incessant desire to assign a single metric to capture a player's impact. Because I think there's too much at play. To me, it's almost like basketball blasphemy. It's trying to understand something that's impossible to understand. There are 10 players on the floor that have an impact on a single basketball possession. So it is in over the course of a hundred possessions in a game, it's not three to four at bats. It's a hundred possessions, right? So like from that standpoint, I don't think it's possible to quantify a player's impact with one, 
um, with one uh, number. To take it even further, in baseball, the dynamic never shifts. It's always pitcher-hitter, pitcher-hitter, right? It's always that same dynamic of trying to, uh, uh, to make contact with the baseball. With basketball, each dynamic can be different. A player can be attacking in isolation. A player can be attacking in pick and roll. A player can be attacking in a post-up. A player can be attacking in a closeout situation. Like, for instance, if Kawhi Leonard is a primary defender on LeBron James in a post-up, that is one way that Kawhi is a primary defender. What if Kawhi is a primary defender and Kyrie Irving just drove to the basket and kicked it to LeBron, and now Kawhi is closing out on LeBron? LeBron has an advantage. So lumping that in as a uh, lumping that in in Kawhi's individual defense number doesn't make any sense because what if it happens to be a game where Kyrie's getting constant dribble penetration and Kawhi's closing out all night long versus a game where Kyrie doesn't have it going and LeBron's isolating Kawhi Leonard all night long versus a play where LeBron's running high pick and roll with Anthony Davis and their big man can't switch so they don't switch the screen so they're running drop coverage now Kawhi Leonard's tried to fight over the top of ball screens all night long none of these possessions are the same there are way more moving parts it's far more difficult to quantify those things so I I disagree with the the I believe it's kind of like uh, it's 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 fighting a losing battle, in my opinion, trying to quantify those things. Where I really like analytics in basketball is trying to find static situations. So, for instance, like if I know that if I have LeBron James and Anthony Davis running uh, pick and roll, and it's primarily resulting in switches, and as a result, because of the switches, it's ending in isolation possessions, and we're getting fewer points per possession. But if I run the screen and roll with Damian Jones... They don't switch it because it's a slower center, so we're running drop coverage, so we're getting more more points per possession. If a if a analytics guy in my office can come into my uh, can come into my office and say, hey, you know, we're getting an additional three tenths of a point per possession on pick and rolls with Damian Jones than we are with Anthony Davis because with Anthony Davis they're just switching it versus with Damian Jones they're running drop coverage. That's an example of trying to focus the power of our statistical analysis at something that is quantifiable. And going from there, you know, LeBron, like, hey, when we post up Anthony Davis on the left block, he sees the double teams better because he can throw the pass or let's say it's with the right block because he can throw the pass with his right hand. He's getting, you know, 1.4 points per possession on post ups on the right block, but 0.9 points per possession on the left block because he's not passing well out of it. He's not seeing the floor as well. Or he likes going to his turnover turnaround over his right shoulder, and he's more comfortable doing that towards the middle of the floor, so we want to post him on the left block. Using data to try to na- uh, navigate those little details in the game I think is really smart. That is quantifiable. And also, that's just the scoreboard. You guys hear me always talk about offensive rating defensive rating, net rating. Those sound like fancy words and they come with fancy, uh, a fancy, uh, you know, uh, way of saying it, right? Like 1.4 points per possession. Sounds fancy, right? That's the scoreboard. That's all that is. That's how many times are you putting the ball in the basket versus how many times you tried. That's not, that's not nearly as convoluted as it sounds. It's pretty straightforward. And, and, and using that kind of data um, it, it, to me, is, is it actually adds real substance to the discussion. And, and I think, you know, I, I think it's important for us to, to 
you know, whenever something new comes to the table, acknowledge the good parts about it and acknowledge the bad parts about it. It's like with social media. We, with social media, it can add to our lives in a lot of different ways. Hell, it's empowered me to become a content creator in a way that I might not have been able to 10 years ago, right? But the flip side of that is it can cause mental health problems. Like I have to do things like be careful with how much I read YouTube comments or read mentions because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a tough guy. I can handle it. But like, man, if I look at too much negativity, it can wear you down a little bit, right? Like there's with anything, you got to acknowledge the good and acknowledge the bad and try to gear yourself towards the good, right? And that's kind of the way I feel about the analytics movement. Like accept its strengths and weaknesses, apply the strengths, but don't waste your energy on the resource, on the, uh, on the weaknesses. And I just, I, I, I have a, I have a really hard time personally for me, uh, like roll scrolling through Twitter and seeing guys gearing entire basketball discussions around like catch all metrics. Like here's this singular metric that captures what Nikola Jokic is as a basketball player. No, man, no. Nikola Jokic doesn't play anything like any other player in the league. He is a complete unicorn. Nobody plays basketball the way that he does. If you're trying to assign a metric that compares him directly to a LeBron James, you're fighting a losing battle there. There's no point. And so I'd like to see, I'd just like to see a little bit more. Um, I, I think I think the pendulum has swung too far. It was too old-fashioned. We've swung too far into leaning too heavily into that stuff. Acknowledge that the game of basketball is a beautiful and complicated thing. And, and, and let's direct our resources appropriately and never, ever, ever let basketball, the actual game of basketball itself fall into the background. It should always stay in the foreground. Um, all right. That's all I have for today. We're going to, uh, uh, I'm going to keep doing these throughout the trip and I'm going to, I'm going to try to counteract as much of the, um, uh, the drama with some basketball just for the sake of my sanity. Also, guys, uh, please, suggestions. If there are things that you guys want me to talk about on the show, if there are specific topics that you guys find interesting, I may not be able to hit them at the start of the show, but I can hit them at the end if if they're a little bit more niche in, in, their, in their focus. But um, as always, I appreciate your guys' support. You guys know the drill. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our content. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. And last but not least, if you miss part of the show and you want to hear the podcast version, you can check it out on our podcast feed, which is under hoops tonight. All right, guys, I'll see you in a couple days. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.